This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and I'm back again this week with my ever-present co-host, Dave, and uh, we're going to be talking about some probing going on on a small island somewhere in, in the sea. Absolutely. <laughs> probing, always good, uh, es- especially when it's... Especially when you're probing clouds and cloud <laughs> providers. Oh, that's rain-making. <laughs> what if you poke holes in them that's how, and the rain comes out? That that's that how works? clouds work, right? Um, the big bags, you poke a hole in the rain comes out. Yeah, you learn something new every day. Yeah. I read on the internet, right. must be true. <laughs> See our previous episode if you didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, so... Uh, interesting, interesting things are afoot in uh, the uh, small islands known as the UK. Um, Ofcom, which is the uh, sort of communications regulator in the UK, has announced, and this has been picked up relatively widely, which is kind of interesting, um, that they are launching uh, an investigation around uh, the major hyperscalers, um, messenger um, applications or messenger services and smart device markets. And I, this, on the outset, this might sound like quite a, a diverse range of, uh, of different sort of areas or, or topics, but actually, you know, Ofcom is literally the, the communications <laughs> regulator. And what they're trying to understand is how these things together are impacting, um, you know, other, other traditional businesses, other sort of other markets that are in place. And there's a big emphasis on, you know, is there anti-competitive behavior? Like that seems to be the, the underlying um, sort of subtext here of is there anti-competitive behavior going on which is one and the second is because we have you know several major players in this space is it actually are they stifling innovation uh, by squeezing out you know smaller players yeah I mean look at the article it's a bit of a mixed bag because they're very intensely looking at Amazon Microsoft and Google Mm-hmm. And then also mention things like WhatsApp and Zoom. And those are two very different scales. Well, it, it's, it's I mean, not WhatsApp just that. WhatsApp is Facebook, of course, so that's a big one. But yeah. Zoom versus a Microsoft or a Google? Oh. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that... I think this is almost like... Um, it's almost like something like a... a um, like th- almost three, three different investigations... Mm-hmm wrapped up in one big investigation. So I think on one avenue or one section of this, they're looking at the cloud providers as a whole and the, or the hyperscalers as a whole. I think on a second uh, avenue, they're looking at, and I'm guessing, although they mention um, sort of WhatsApp and Zoom, I'm guessing they will be looking at other communication providers so many out there. as well, there are, but again, I think the, the the questions here are, you know, how have they, how have, you know, organizations like WhatsApp uh, and WhatsApp and Zoom maybe disrupted the existing, you know, telecommunications market, the telco market, for example? Um, yeah, um, but that's a good thing because disruption means they innovated somehow and the telco market didn't catch up, so they got disrupted. 
that's exactly Agreed. what it's uh, supposed to be doing. Now, yeah. WhatsApp is a special case because once uh, Facebook bought it, that has caused problems. I mean, Facebook is actually facing a couple of antitrust uh, lawsuits at the moment with their acquisition of Giphy and WhatsApp and that kind of stuff, and them changing their, uh, what's it called, DNCs and everything. So that's definitely inside a single company already happening. But then combining that with Zoom and Slack and I guess Microsoft Teams and uh, Google, mm. what is the flavor of the month? It's Google Chat now, it's no longer Google Meet, whatever. Google, you make life difficult for me. Um, I mean, I, in that area, I think it's working as intended. I don't see any, sure, smaller ones being picked up by larger ones, but there's a lot of competition going on there. Zoom had their uh, security thingy going on at the start of COVID. Mm -hmm. And without a problem, other vendors jumped in. At the moment, Zoom should be safe again, I guess. They, they had some time to do that and whatever. I'm not an expert, but I'm assuming it's okay now. They're still around. They didn't get, they grew, even though other tools were being used as well. So I don't see a reason for, um, for proving in that area to be honest again agree on the probing inside of what as facebook itself what facebook is doing internally but i think the ecosystem landscape is kind of healthy on groupware mm. or whatever to call it i mean what they what they talk about is the fact that uh as a sector regulator and with our powers to explore potential competition issues under the Enterprise Act, Ofcom's job is to make sure that the communications markets are working well for consumers and businesses. This includes keeping pace with disruptive developments in our sectors, such as new and emerging technologies or changes in commercial models and supply chains. Okay, so, so maybe they're going to yeah. kick uh, BT uh, in, in the butt so, to, to, to innovate more. Yeah, <laughs> could well of. be. And there's I mean, there are other articles around this, and um, some of the sort of conversations seem to be, well, like, what what on earth are they going to do? But like, I think maybe if I finish the, the the other track of like we talked about, so there's the hyperscalers bit, there's the, the there's the communications bit of it, but then there's a third arm to this sort of probe, which is um, sort of this. <clears throat> excuse me, move from um, dumb devices to smart devices, whether it's smart TVs, smart speakers, and things like that, and whether those things are, like how those things are shaping people's consumption of media and communication. Like, are they doing that in a open way, or are they do it, doing it in a way that is, uh, is anti-competitive? Uh, yeah, but the smart device market, uh, that's an even worse thing to look at because on the one hand, I don't think the smart device market is suffering from anti-competition kind of stuff. There's a, a lot of stuff happening, IP cameras, uh, thermostats, uh, voice regular, voice smart commanders, speakers. smart speakers kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there. But all that stuff is powered by a handful of uh, machine learning models mm. that have been created by two companies, mm. Google and Microsoft. What about things like the, the, the different smart devices' ability to influence you know, content that people see? 
for example. Like if you've got a exactly, but that's what we talked last time. The, the bias uh, mm. we talked about models have bias, and if the models are built by only a handful of uh, companies, that bias will be visible. And I think here in Europe we are very much suffering from that because the models are built in the US. So when I ask my Google speaker for the news, I will get local news definitely. But if I go international, it's very much US centric. But also, I would uh, pick a um, pick a potentially daft example, but just to <laughs> illustrate a point. So, like, if you've got a I don't know, like a smart TV from a particular smart TVs don't exist. Well, smarter TV then <laughs> um, from a particular vendor. Like that vendor controls what applications you can have access to. It controls, yeah. you know, what digital media is presented to you on its home screen, for example. <laughs> you know, it, it can shape what, you know, you are exposed to, what is easier for you to, to consume. I mean, and before you only had Netflix, so they all came with Netflix, but now you have a bunch of streaming services in the world. And the one that pays the most will get the biggest spot on the home hmm. screen of your smart TV. And that will definitely be a thing. Now, with that being said, specifically on streaming, let's stay in the TV world a little bit, I think, again, com com uh, commerce uh, has worked because we used to have just Netflix and Spotify, and that was it. Yep. There has been a, a, a storm of new streaming services mm. coming up and down the, the lines from Hulu to... I mean, everybody in this dog is doing a streaming service these days. And some have already folded yeah. because they didn't do it right. And yeah. that's how it's supposed to work. The Netflixes and Spotify's, they show there was a, press, a need for a market, need for a service to build a market around it. And smaller players, well, small, I can't really say Hollywood companies are small. But still, others were able to jump in and do things. Uh, CBS uh, had the Star Trek stuff, which, by coincidence, I'm watching one of them. So that's what happened in my head. So again working as intended and there you could also say is the position of the logo or the app which is preloaded not preloaded really guiding because there's so much publicity going on by those streaming services it's almost impossible not to be aware that blah has a streaming service in the world if it's of a certain size obviously yeah but like if that service is not available to your particular device then you're sol um, yes, but is that the case? I mean, uh, I think it's more, of, for me, it's more of a case of what's preloaded and what do I need to do efforts to get on there. I don't think they're really gatekeeping it that oh, they, much. No, they definitely are. Like different, different TV providers have definitely made certain services essentially not available to uh, How could they do that? Devices. I mean, let's say Apple starts their streaming service and Samsung says, oh, we won't do that. That will make a number of people not buy their TVs. I'm not saying something does it, right? I'm just an example. I don't think yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not happening, I think. But that would mean that they won't buy TVs from brand XYZ, which would be bad for their business. Unless that streaming company, the other streaming company, has paid a lot of money to keep them out of it. The way Intel has paid Dell and HP to not sell um, AMD laptops in the past. And that's anti-compete competition stuff that got penalized at a had hefty fines for that. Do we see yeah. that happening in the smart device world? Yeah, I think it, it definitely, it definitely, certainly, it definitely has happened. Okay. Um, whether or not it will, whether or not it will continue, who knows? But the, you can be kind of right because when I was looking around for my smart stuff, 
I, I'm not an, an Apple person. Everything I do is Windows or Android based. So yeah, some stuff was kind of cool, but I couldn't get because it was only in the Apple ecosystem mm. or only talked with Alexa and not with Google. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I do think that sort of, <laughs> that level of bias does exist out there, but perhaps the, the piece of this puzzle that I think is probably most, um, Right. Definitely most appropriate to the topic that topics that we usually talk about is the the, the topics of the hyperscalers. And there's there's one um, sort of graph here that uh, if you follow along on YouTube, you can see Jon pulling up on the screen. Um, now, this is sort of a graph of market share of supply by revenue for UK um, public cloud infrastructure services. So, you know, there, there is a, a level of um you know bias or, or drill down yeah filter here but what this is essentially showing is that between 2018 and 2021 um you know cloud providers you know amazon has stayed fairly static around the 40-ish hmm. percent um, Microsoft has grown pretty steadily, um, regularly from uh, year to year, starting at 17 and ending up at about 25% of consumption. Google has also grown from you know 12 up to about 16%. But this has essentially come at the expense of other cloud providers, um, other uh, public cloud infrastructure services that back in 2018 was 30% and is now down to less than 20%. Now, some of this might be through acquisition, like some of these, mm -hmm. there might be smaller players that were acquired by some of the big three, but I suspect it's far more the case of like some of these smaller players essentially kind of squeezed out of the market. Now, often... Players are squeezed out of the market essentially because their services are just not as good yeah. as as the as the as the as the other major players. And you, I think, would be you'd struggle to argue that adopting a not as good service is a good idea. But I think the concern is that if you had you know a new service, if you had something new that you wanted to launch. When you've got a market that is so uh, significantly dominated by three major providers, you know, is it nigh on impossible to um, to create something, to produce something, you know, new and innovative that could actually, you know, grow into something that would challenge those three major competitors? And is it a bad thing? Because to be honest, the triopoly is the the best situation you can have. Monopoly is bad. Duopoly, yeah. also bad. A triopoly, that's not the word, I just made it up, is usually okay because it usually fosters innovation because mm. two of the three can come together to fight the third one and that will shift all the time around uh, yeah. the ecosystem. So that's fine. Having niche players in there, I think you're right, most of them just went defunct. So think of Rackspace, Used to, they, they had a big cushion cloud yeah. when they started and yeah. they're gone because basically they couldn't compete, they couldn't keep up. And that's also why, do we want small niche players in this? Yes. 
for small niche applications. You have government mm -hmm. clouds, you have air-gapped environments, things like that that will never go onto the big clouds. So that's good. They, they are still there and they have a reason to be, but they will always be niche and that is okay. If a fourth player comes up, I mean, there's so many data centers being built already, so much CO2 being generated for our compute needs. If a fourth player comes up, he, she, it will have to build data centers in all the same locations again. At a certain point, I mean, how many players do you need to have a safe environment? Three is the minimum, I would say. Mm. Do you need more than three? I mean, look at Oracle Cloud. Oracle is a big player. It's not a small company. They have the yeah. cloud to make this work. The thing that for I th the reason I think that they aren't succeeding is because they have put innovation caps on their solution. It's very much Oracle all the way. And if you do something else than Oracle stuff, their cloud will not really work well for you. They don't invest in SaaS services outside their own ecosystem. So again, perfect niche cloud. If you're totally an Oracle, yeah. pipe, cool, use their cloud. But IBM don't expect Clouds. Another example, probably I would I would expect similar sort of similar sort of arguments. Yeah. I, I think IBM is Probably a little bit broader in terms of its its options and availability, primarily due to the the Red Hat acquisition. I think has broadened its uh, its its, um, its remit somewhat, but it still falls into that others camp in terms yeah. of the 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 green slice that we have on the on the graph here. I think Microsoft is the biggest example of what you need to do to become a big player here because they went from Linux is a cancer to Linux is great and not just in verbiage not just in marketing speak but uh, I mean I was there I was one of them they hired a bunch of open source people to make the change inside the company work they really changed from where a Windows operating system uh, groupware mm -hmm. vendor to no we're going to be a cloud vendor and that means the stuff that was holy for us the thing that was our cash cow is no longer important. Mm. Took a couple of years, of course. You can't just uh, yeah. swivel it, uh, ship like that on, on, on a in a minute. But they went that far. And the reason that I think uh, IBM will stay niche is because even though they did the Red Hat acquisition, they are still thinking IBM first. Agreed. And Agreed. that's not going to happen. Just And Oracle is even further that that part. And that's yeah. fine. I'm not saying that's a, raw, a bad thing, but don't expect to become a big player, the size of an Amazon, uh, Microsoft or Google, if you can't step away from that self-imposed viewpoint of the world, you have to get out of your bubble. I mean, you, you use a yeah. bubble uh, idea often, and this is a nice one, I think. If you can't see outside your bubble for this kind of stuff, if you want to be a big player, you need to be across all things. And I actually think that the fact that Amazon hasn't grown, and the other two have, is because Amazon is also not able to work outside their bubble. They're big enough that they don't have to, so it's easy for them. But they are very much looking at their own thing. They're they're not doing partnerships as much as the other two. They're not innovating as much. I mean, they innovate a lot less than Google does. Google comes up in new stuff all the time, which is also a bad thing at a certain point. Uh, Microsoft does a lot of partnerships with any company out there with their marketplace is way more interesting than the other two. Amazon kind of stays in their own way of doing things. Maybe I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced mm -hmm. on that. The other thing that I that this obviously um, 
doesn't really reflect. This is just kind of percentage market share. Now, between um, at least according to this, uh, according to this article or this uh, this report, um, in 2018, they don't actually they don't actually mention the numbers, but they do say um, less than 10% of all business global IT spending was public cloud services. And then it was 17% as of uh, 2021. I'm actually surprised it's that low. And some analysts predict it'll be up to 45% of businesses IT spend on public cloud by 2026. Um, so the the sort of although the the percentage numbers look like relatively steady growth, if you factor in the 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 fact that the 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 actual raw you know dollar slash pound yeah. value of this has drastically increased over time, um, then I think I think the the I think that somewhat better reflects the the change yeah. in the space. I'm going to counter that with. Hmm. Yes, but that increased spending is the same company doing more in the cloud. Yeah. If I look at the graph where Amazon stays stable in percentage and uh, uh, and Google mm. go up, I think that new customers disproportionately go to another cloud than Amazon. Yeah, I would say that's that's probably. I mean, that is that is what the yeah. the, the percentages are showing. So it's still. It also. It, it also, um, I think there's also a reflect, reflection, sorry, that more and more organizations, and I, I caught this on uh, actually on um, our previous episode, more and more organizations are also going multi-cloud uh, for certain things as well. And that is that also kind of starts to shift the numbers. Like lots of organizations could still very much have their primary cloud provider as AWS, but starting to explore decent chunks of stuff on uh, on Microsoft or on Google for certain parts of their organization or their business or whatever, and that would also drive this sort of uh, this this kind of increase in those numbers as well. Yes and no. I mean, yes, you're right, and sometimes customers don't even have a control because I'm using this SaaS service. I don't even know where it runs, and it happens to run on another cloud. I don't even know. I didn't even look at that. But I'd say no. In an ideal world, if all three innovate at the same pace and are open at the same level and look at the world around them in the same fashion, it should even out. Because for every two that go from this cloud to that cloud, you have two that go from this cloud to that cloud because they all have interesting things that the other one doesn't have. If two other clouds are growing more than the one, there's a discrepancy there. It means that the one is kind of resting on its laurels more than the other two, causing mm. more expatriation, if that's a word, towards the other two clouds uh, than the other two clouds, people, users going to that cloud. So I still think Amazon needs to do something. Because it's getting dangerously close to them only having a uh, 50% share anymore. I mean, uh, they already have 40%, that's less than 50%. But I mean, Azure is mm -hmm. getting almost as big as Amazon. If it ever happens that Azure gets more market share than Amazon, that would be so bad for Amazon. I mean, they're still making a lot of money. I mean, it's not bad from there. They're going to go bankrupt mm -hmm. at all. But just on looking at the vision of the company, 
them coming from a position where they were 100% of cloud, to be honest, well, 99, yeah. let's, be honest. <laughs> let's give it a little bit to the other guys, going down this way, they're doing something wrong. Or mm. not right, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 know. I still think that... I, I do think that if a if a new cloud provider was to emerge that had something that significantly differentiated them, and at this point, I've no idea what that might I do. be. I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, tell me. Data locality. There's at the moment a bunch of government-sponsored mm. stuff going on to build a European cloud. And not mm. the data locality in the way of I can choose to run in the Google Azure data center in my country, but data locality in the company who owns this cloud is a European company. Mm. And there's a lot of polit polit politicking, politicking going on at the moment to make something mm. like that happen. Is it going to happen? Uh, I mean, we privatized everything around the world, at least in Europe. Everything got privatized because government shouldn't mm. be doing stuff like this. And here they're yeah. kind of doing the other way around. Commercial, commercial companies are doing very successful things and we're going to make a government-owned one. <laughs> Not exactly sure how that's going to figure out, but that's the one thing that I can see a fourth, maybe fifth player becoming viable. Yeah. If governments make legislation that force a fourth in, uh, entity in place. That would be... That would be a very, very interesting disruption. Yes. It would have very far-reaching consequences. Yeah. I mean, I can, to the point where I can actually see certain organizations almost accepting a lesser service yes. because of that kind of, the, that kind of data locality. And killing selling point. Hmm. That's a really, that is a really interesting one. <coughs> Excuse me. I can't, I can't think of a, I can't think of a technology differentiator for like a, a new cloud provider coming in and saying, oh, I don't know, like we only do Lambda services or like we only do serverless or. You, you can't do that. If you do, if you want to be a fourth player, you have to do it all. Yeah. I mean, if the other ones do it all and you don't, yeah. they'll go to the other one because whatever you're not doing, that's just the thing the other person wants. That's, yeah. That's just, I mean, even if I don't need it, I want to keep my, I wanna, as a business, I need to future proof my investments. I'm going to go with the cloud with the most, and that's the one I'm going to put my, uh, my future upon. Hi yeah. Hybrid cloud might change that within now and 50 years, perhaps, because it's going to take a long time. I mean, indeed, everything is serverless and you don't have problems with data gravity anymore because copying a petabyte doesn't take a year, but only five minutes. That are technological advantages that can make moving around a lot easier because yeah, if you remove gravity, we all start flying and flying gives you more flexibility. Uh, please don't remove gravity. That would be bad. <laughs> um, but that's not a technology advantage as you would that you were talking about it but it would be technology yeah. changes that could make it more viable or, or less necessary to be this big in the cloud space because now you have to be big to have all that gravity to form a planet a cloud planet oh cloud planets i call you a new word well we will see i think this is a 
think this is an interesting sort of probe slash set of conversations that will start happening. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit unfortunate that it's literally going to take Ofcom a year before they expect um, that a market study report uh, will be actually published. I mean, it, it's not terribly surprising, I guess. Like, mm -hmm. it's very, very... The scope here is huge and very wide-ranging. That's, I think, the but, biggest problem with this investigation. They're making it too broad, and the, yeah. the end result will be... Yeah, yeah so I vague. mean, and, and that's, the other, that's the other point, right? Is, is okay, you know, they come up with a... Um, uh, maybe they they believe that something is happening that is, you know, anti-competitive in some way, shape, or form. Like, there's what are they actually able to do? Like, if if they find that, uh, as as an example, that uh, you know, between WhatsApp, FaceTime, and and Zoom, they are somehow affecting the role of of traditional calling and messaging. And you know, stifling competition in that place. Like, what can they actually do? Uh, instead of looking at that stuff, I mean, take a look at the uh, uh, app stores in the Apple and Android ecosystem, where you have to use their payment providers still. Yeah, I mean, there's, well, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit they could look at. And that's a stuff. that's a whole other set of investigations that are going on. <laughs> And what can they do? I mean, a lot of fines have been levied against companies for doing antitrust stuff, and not just in cloud technology, but across the world. Yeah. The one thing that I have seen from this, which I think could be quite interesting, is they're not necessarily talking about... I mean, there's 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 carrot or stick, right? There's the, the stick is the fines, which I think are, let's face it, like there'll always be a pittance, there'll always be a rounding error on most of these organizations, and most of these organizations no. won't really care. GDPR fines are kind of more than a nuisance. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that, that, that's the exception yes. rather than the rule. The other point, though, is the carrot. Like they have, There have been mentions of there could be incentives to newer organizations that are looking mm -hmm. to disrupt... Uh, some kind of, of the status quo here. What kind of character I think, would there be? I mean, I can only think of, as I say, like some sort of some sort of financial incentive. Like if you've got What's just like the government would be like, grain of sand. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure because if you're talking about financial incentives to a new player in a, in one of these markets. Yeah, but governments aren't allowed to do that, right? I mean, that's also disrupting commercial entities. I mean, yeah, again, going to the locality thing from before, government sponsor, mm. uh, European sponsored cloud might be useful. And the incentive that could be there is that, well, if you, company XYZ, make a European cloud, a European company, all government in Europe will use your cloud. So mm. a, a kind of guaranteeing a uh, client a broad client's uh, availability in the region so it's no, more, no longer a risk to do the investment because you're assured of being able to make money on this thing that would be a carrot that's feasible even legal but just mm. sponsoring i mean there's a lot of sponsoring going on already for innovation stuff like that but it needs to be spread around so yeah that would be 
I mean, I can see uh, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google going against this if it comes out that this happens. Actually, this is actually happening because in the U.S. now, for the whole chip manufacturing, the U.S. government is doing a lot of uh, uh, giving a lot of money to Intel to put fabs in the U.S. Mm. And there's a lot of protests going in, uh, going yeah. on against that because if you're South Korea, I think South Korea, where the the big chip manufacturers are mostly located at the moment, yeah, TSMC and others, yeah. Mm. They are quite right in saying this is bad, and there's a lot of IATA, um, uh, called rules of uh, trade, that mm. prohibit this. Uh, ask Boeing and um, Airbus uh, about their latest experiences with yeah. with that stuff. The whole global yeah. trade agreements—they're there for a reason too. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's. Uh... It will be interesting to see what comes out of this. I'm hoping that it is something useful, interesting. Maybe we'll revisit this 12 months from now and see what the report says. And maybe we'll be excited about it, or maybe we will just tear it to shreds. Who knows? And maybe it's going to be outdated by the time it's out there, which is usually the case uh, with this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is almost certainly going to be the case. But unless there's anything else from you. No, I'm all probed out. Then that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really does help. Uh, we are on YouTube, so if you wanted to see the pretty graphs that we were looking at, please check us out there. You can like, you can subscribe, you can hit the notification bell and all the YouTube things. You can also go to www.roaringelephant.org for our link to our Patreon page and for more intro information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. But until next time, my name is No Probing Today, Please, Dave. And my name is, I prefer, my little file server in my next room than the cloud. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Bye.